Two months ago in Parliament, the government launched a major overhaul of the welfare system aimed at getting tens of thousands of young people and solo parents off benefits and into paid work. The debate has fired up again with news the forthcoming budget will put close to $300 million into the first round of reform, including free long-term contraception for teenage beneficiaries. There are 110,000 people of working age on a benefit in New Zealand, costing $8 billion, with $1 billion of that going to run the system. But in all the debate, the people most affected, the solo parents, have hardly been heard. So in this programme, Insight seeks out their stories. The Honourable Paula Bennett. Um, Mr Speaker, I move that the Social Security Youth Support and Work Focus Bill be now read a first time. Mr Speaker, the welfare system is failing many New Zealanders. It has created a cycle of dependency for many and 13% of working age New Zealanders are on benefits, directly affecting more than 220,000 children. The system, I say, is failing them. The Social Development Minister, Paula Bennett, was once herself a single mother on the domestic purposes benefit and today she's radically redrawing the system. If the plan goes through, by next year the dozen benefits on the books will be merged together to leave just three. Unemployed young people will be given work brokers who will manage much of their money, and people on the DPB will have more support. But one of the sharpest changes would have 30,000 solo mothers and fathers, with children as young as one, made to get out and look for a job. Ms Bennett seems to have much of the public with her. The big issue I have got is um, people who are on the DPB already then having more children. I wouldn't understand a parent that would want to be just on the benefit the whole time. I suppose they want to spend time with their kids, but I don't see what's wrong with working. Oh, yeah, I would, I would think so. It depends on the circumstances, I suppose, but I think it's always good to encourage them to get back to work. I, th I think people need to still be shoved to get back in the workforce, not relying on benefits their whole life. Yeah. And yet the very people most affected seem to have little notion this is all going on. I didn't until this morning when <laughs> my friend's mum was talking about it, but other than that I knew nothing about it. Right. I don't really research on politics. And... So this stuff that's coming, it's really so far been a bit of a mystery? Yeah, pretty much. It's not really out there for the people like our age that are actually going to listen to it. And... No. I'm Ian Telfer, and in this Insight programme I'm talking to a wide range of solo parents around Dunedin about the welfare shake-up. It's a sort of case study of the reforms, and how, up and down the country, they might change parents' lives, for good or ill. In South Dunedin, two young women are arriving for their day studying at the Corkery Training Centre. They don't want to be named for fear of a hostile reaction. I'll call this student Jackie. Um, I'm 18 and I have a three-year-old son and I'm pregnant at the moment. So, it's been my two babies and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And you're on your own? Yeah, I yeah. am solo mum. And is there a partner around or...? Uh, there is a partner at the moment to my second baby that's on the way. But first baby's had nothing to do with his father. Right, so. okay. Very solo. Her friend, who I'll call Huya, is 16 and raising her 10-month daughter alone after the baby's father took his own life just before her birth. Huya went on to the DPB and left school. Oh, I dropped out because my partner passed away. So I was pregnant at the time, so I just 
Was that a hard time? Yeah, well, I had only three weeks left to go on my pregnancy, so I was like, oh, yeah. That was all right, though. I had everything. I had heaps of support, friends. So, I was, yeah. Both young women are living with their parents and paying board, but they say they only survive because of the benefit payments of $250 to $400 a week. The new rules in the pipeline from October mean Jackie and Huya will have to be available for part-time work or be actively training for a job by the time their youngest child goes to school. And in Jackie's case, her new baby born while on the benefit won't change that and she might have to return to work in two years' time. Right now, both women are at the Corkery Centre doing catch-up schoolwork, NCEA Level 1 and 2. But they have dreams of going to university to do social work and floristry, and they say they hate the idea of being rushed into a job. It sucks. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but it does. Because, like, we get, we get all these pushes to strive for our education, even though we're mums and that but now we're getting pushed to go look for work when we still don't even have the education levels that we need to be able to go out. So I'm still voting for like the push for education more than work. You know, you're not gonna, you'll end up having like a job at Pack and Save if that's how much they're pushing you. And you could be there for years before you actually find somewhere where you're gonna be stable. So no, I'm still sticking with the education. You need education more than work at the moment. They say they feel anxious about the changes. Very worried, not knowing What's what to do happens? if they do decide to do that with a benefit. Because, you know, my baby is, what, he'll be five in two years, so that gives me two years. But, yeah, I'll still have a wee one with me, so it puts a lot of stress more, more on me of having to think, oh, no, I need work, oh, no, I have to do this by a certain time. It's just, it's difficult and it's very scary. So, that Parliament, I disagree with you. I do. Yeah. It's scary for what's going to happen in the future because you don't know what's going to happen at all. Like something, they might even like cut it down to like a hundred dollars for someone, and I don't think you could live on a hundred dollars if you have to pay board, get nappies, and get everything else. I, I don't know. Only two kilometres away at Dunedin Surf Beach at Sinclair. I meet a solo mother in a very different situation, who too won't be named. This woman came from Britain, got married, but's been on the benefit for the past three years since getting divorced. Her daughter's now five and at school, and her mother's desperate to work, but no employer will take her on. At a cafe out of the wind, she says she could definitely use some help. We were reliant on my husband's wage and then when I got divorced everything changed and it was a massive wake-up call to me. I had to, to, to go on the domestic purposes benefit because there was no other choice at that time. Mm. So I've spent pretty much two or three years just looking and looking and looking for um, positions where I can use the skills that I've got. And I've, I've, apart from one small um, stint at the university, I've found it very, very difficult to be able to get anything else. This woman has an honours degree in marine biology and experience in banking, but she says she keeps hitting brick walls. Asked if the government push to work could be good for her, she says not in her experience. I think that that's great. Now find us the jobs to go with it. 
That would be my, my, um, my answer to John Key. It's all fine and well saying that they want us to go into work. There are some of us who are very, very willing and prepared to take jobs, but we need the jobs there to take. So it's as simple as that, and perhaps even um, you know, if they're really keen on pushing this forward, being able to let us give our CVs into working income and, and get them to help us to find the jobs. I've looked, and certainly I've found it very, very difficult, and I'm hitting brick walls at the moment. So, Mr Key, if you want us to work, find us the jobs. To get a wider perspective, I'm heading up the hill to the suburb of Corstaphine, to the headquarters of the Dunedin Methodist Mission. Agencies who work in the welfare sector every day seem to be lining up against these reforms. The six youth and church agencies are called this week have all said they have major problems with the changes, especially what they see as the demonising of long-term DPB parents. I'm hoping the mission's chief executive, Laura Black, can explain. What we've taken is, is a group of people who, statistically speaking, would be called outliers. Yes, they exist, but they're in a vanishing minority. And, and we're using them to make rules around for everybody else. Government figures suggest more than half the solo parents who went on to the DPB while a teenager stayed on for at least a decade. But Laura Black says that's not the real picture. You know, last time I saw the figures, 60% of people who went on DPB stayed on it for less than six months. You know, the vast bulk of the remainder stayed on it for less than 12 months. Pretty much the benefit system is being used as it was designed. Yes, there are some people who have adapted and are making what you know we would look at and go, well, it's not your best life choice, sweetie. No, <laughs> let's rethink this. Um, but they're, they're not the dominant proportion. They're not even a sizable proportion of the population of people on benefits. Um, yes, it is a group of people who, who long-term um, risk presenting uh, as intractable, um, because they get really entrenched in a behaviour set. Um, again, the, the time to get alongside those people and redirect that is, is in this age group. Um, and I just have never seen any research that suggests that browbeating people <laughs> into life choices is going to produce a kind of um, long-term positive outcome. Ms Black says the government's right to be trying to do something for beneficiaries stuck in long-term poverty. But she says its changes are going the wrong way because the work doesn't exist for parents to be pushed into. They're focusing on the, the supply side of the labour market, all the people looking for work, which is, which is great. And, and those people need support, and, and I've got no argument with that. Um, but actually, it's the demand side which the prob where, where the problem is. Where are the employers gagging at the bit for, for workers? You know, recently here in Dunedin, we had over a thousand people apply for a tiny number of jobs um, at, at the um, opening up Bunning store and also at a local supermarket. Um, there's no sense there that there's a shortage of willingness or shortage of interest on the part of people without work. I think the supply side is primed. It's, it's the employer side and fair dues. They're working in a, in a pretty tough economy. I'm, I'm not surprised employers aren't hiring. Um, so I, again, I think it, it's looking at the wrong end of the deal. One person the push to work might have been good for is a solo father, Barry Rumsey. G'day, Barry. Yeah, I'll just stick him in. Oi, yeah, that's it. Hey. He lives with his dog in a small house in the suburb of Kaikarai Valley. He's just finished six years on the DPB, caring for his teenage daughter. Yeah, well, my daughter was playing up at school and whatnot, and it was actually easier for me to be at home 
Um, you know, she was, she was wagging school, um, she was pinching alcohol from her sister and taking that to school. It was just so many issues. Barry now works a night shift at a local petrol station, but never got any work while on the benefit. He says he wanted to work and tried for jobs, but found it too hard. And in that whole time, work and income didn't once raise the question of work or offer any help. He says that all changed as soon as his daughter turned 18. They took me off the um, um, DPP and stuck me back onto a normal unemployment. Um, that was when they um, got me in for a welcome to work interview thing. Um, and, and said, you know, you know you're a you work broker, you know, you got your welcome pack, and I never received any of those. Um, and luckily on that day I was introduced to my broker and had a job lined up and within two weeks I was working, so I was quite happy. <laughs> so that part of it worked for you, actually? Yeah, but that was at the end of it, though. You know, the, um, I'm, I'm willing to, to, to anything, you know. Um, why wasn't something... Being offered. Why didn't they offer or show me my work broker, introduce my work broker while I was actually on it? Why wait until I'm off? It's stupid. As well as the new requirement that parents be ready for at least 15 hours work when the youngest child turns five, when that child turns 14, the parent will be shifted from the DPB onto the unemployment benefit and must look for full-time work. Barry says that wouldn't have worked for him because that was the very time his daughter was going off the rails. He says the government would be crazy to force solo parents to work more than their family responsibilities allow. You're probably fine if they do that, then up goes your crime rate. You, know, you can't force somebody just to do that um, full time. If they can't do it, they just can't do it. And that's where each um, family or, or person needs to be assessed on, on what they can actually do. If ones can do full-time, let them do full-time. Tell them they've got to do full-time. Um, if, if it's found out that they can't do it in those full-time hours, well, find them part-time. Anything will help. But do those part-time jobs actually exist? The recession has seen unemployment rise to 6.7%, leaving 160,000 people out of work. To see how much of a barrier that might be to solo parents, I've come to see one of Dunedin's largest recruitment agencies, Select Personnel. Welcome to Select, just with Karen. Select's managing director is Karen Bardwell. She says there are always jobs, even in the recession New Zealand's been through, just not enough. You know, there's really been a shortage of jobs for about four years now. Um, there was some softening of that happening in the last six months. We have seen an increased level of vacancies becoming available um, and I think that's reflective of businesses are feeling more confident potentially coming out of the economic uh, downturn. So things have been bad but they are slowly getting better? Slowly getting, yes, slowly getting better but then you, you, get, you get a curveball that you think we're sort of on our climb again and then bang, down we go again. But that's that kind of bumpy ride that we're taking but I think if you looked at the trend line it is slowly, and I say slowly, um, increasing. Ms Bardwell says there's been a growth in the number of part-time jobs too but other barriers persist. Because there's still you know, an oversupply of potential candidates to roles, what tends to happen is employers get spoiled for choice. So they can pick the best. And, and the best might be those who have most recently been working. 
but we also have to look at those people who have had active careers before they went on the DPB and could be returning to the workforce. So it's, you can't kind of put it all into one category. But certainly those that have perhaps been long-term um, DPB, domestic purpose beneficiaries, potentially left school with very few qualifications, unless you've got an employer that's going to say, look, I'm going to give that person a chance because they really want work and they really want to try, they are competing in a highly competitive market. Uh, so it's going to be challenging. Karen Bardwell says employers are also wary of the extra sick leave solo parents might need to care for their children without much family backup. And she says overall the government's reforms seem unrealistic because they'll push people forward without providing any more money for training. You can't go single-handedly just say we're going to put a lot of resource at getting people back into work without looking at the training and the making them work ready and, and dealing with the competition in the market. The government insists such work readiness is exactly its plan. Paula Bennett's already announced the budget will shift more than $280 million into upfront spending for the reforms. But the parents I spoke to who are in training are sceptical about getting enough support. Yeah, and my question is, is you know, are they going to push me out into work while I'm studying, when I'm actually working really hard studying to get into the work that will be a benefit to my community and wider society as well? Fiona Smith's a solo parent and third-year geography student at Otago University. She plans to finish her degree next year and has a particular job in mind in environmental design for a council. Paula Bennett's office says under the changes, student parents will be able to continue at university as long as they keep passing and are heading for the workforce. But Fiona says the government's just looking at part of the picture. I think there's wider issues than just saying whether they're work ready or not. I think, are these people happy, healthy members of society? Are they creating other problems in society? Um, are they doing volunteer work that's not recognised? There's... There's lots of things that go on that's not just the stereotypical person sitting on the couch, oh, I'm just sucking up the benefit. Um, so many different people out there, so many different circumstances. I really don't appreciate the stereotype of the DVB mum on the couch, I really think. That is counterproductive. Fiona's friend, also a mother on the DPB, is Olive McRae. If you look at it holistically, it doesn't make sense to get a mother and tell her that she should go to McDonald's and work and put her child in institutionalised care if she is willing and capable to care for that child. That's not, when you look at a society, that's not the basis of a healthy society, is it? To separate families, to push them into menial jobs and have their children cared for by somebody else, you know, like that, that doesn't make sense when you look at society broad spectrum. Yet that's exactly what some parents want. Tara Higgins shares a house in Kaikarai Valley with her cousin and new partner. Last year at 21, Tara found herself pregnant, but the relationship broke down and she moved back to Dunedin from Blenheim. And just as she was adjusting to solo parenting her four-month-old baby Caden, she's been given the permanent care of another, Shai Lin, her three-year-old niece. I wanted to know how she'd cope with the new rules, now she's unexpectedly a mother of two. One of the new rules coming in is that when your child's five, yeah. you have to go back to part-time work. It sounds like you'll be trying to do that way early. <laughs> yeah, I'll, well, actually I'm trying to get back into full-time, not just part-time, but anything, anything at the moment goes. So, yeah, no, I, 
I do, I kind of agree with it, just because it helps the children's growth and development as well, and it helps them make friends. And also with, well, adults being in workforce, they can make new friends outside of being around their kids, and it gives them a break from the kids as well. Over the years, there's been reports from small towns, especially in Waikato and Northland, of women making the DPB their permanent income and having more babies to keep the payments coming. Ministry data seems to suggest that hundreds and maybe up to a few thousand people nationally are in this situation. Tara says she won't be having any more children, but she does see that going on. For some people, yeah, I do. The ones that sit there and multiply just for the fun of it, really, is the way I look at it. But myself, I'm wanting to get back to work very shortly. Um, once Caden starts crawling is when I'm looking back, which is in a few more months, um, just to, you know, pay my taxes back. And they've helped me out, so I'll help them back. So. One of those trying to encourage individual responsibility is a former ACT Party yeah. MP, Hilary Calvert, who left politics after last year's election and is returning to law. But the welfare changes are still on her mind, and at her office in town, Ms Calvert tells me the reforms are a good step forward. She says change is needed, so people reliant on benefits start thinking the same way as those in paid work. Most working people, if you ask them, would say, well, the reason I've got two children or whatever is because that's how many our family can afford and can afford to look after properly in the manner which we would like to look after our children. We all want what's best for our children. So people on a benefit want to be in that sort of situation too so that they should also be looking at how many children they can afford. And so if the reason that they're having more children than they can afford is because we've incentivised them in some odd way to do that, or because they can't afford to not have children, they can't afford to use contraception that would make it so as they not having children. Not far away, back at Otago University, a social work lecturer, Nicola Atwell, is teaching a rather different message. OK, any questions or comments arising from your discussion? Do you come up with lots of innovative ways to make life better? Dr Atwell's just returned from a stint advising the Children's Commissioner in Wellington. She says the welfare changes will have a serious and bad effect on the most disadvantaged people in society. I really question equating the solution to poverty as being paid work. Uh, we know that poverty has a long-term impact on children and that being raised in uh, what they call chronic poverty, so that's over their life, their childhood, uh, is very detrimental. But to leap from that to saying the solution is paid work leaves aside... Um, the incredibly valuable contribution of parenting, which is unpaid work, and that children um, under the age of two and arguably up to three have gain a great deal by having an at-home parent, at least for a substantial amount of the time. Dr Atwell says the power to cut parents' benefits in half if they don't meet the new work expectations is a cruel punishment. I think we need to be very careful about punitive cutouts and I would be totally against them for anybody with children because if you use those sorts of punitive measures for people with children, it is the children who will pay the price 
and there is absolutely no justification for that. But the former MP, Hilary Calvert, rejects that. Ms Calvert says she doesn't understand how any parent could refuse to go to work. Can they with a straight face look at you and say, my children are a priority? Or are they saying they should be a taxpayer's priority, but quite frankly, I don't care enough about them to do what I need to do to support my children? If I can't support my children financially on my own, and I go to you and you say, I'll give you some money to support your children, but you need to do this for it, are you prepared to not do that for your own children? You're not prepared to do what it takes to get some money for your own children within reason. I mean, we're not asking people to go out and work in the sex industry or anything. <laughs> we're asking them to do something that's a perfectly reasonable thing that men have for centuries, and mostly women too, done to support their own children. I don't think that there's a lot of people who wouldn't get up and do what they need to do to support their own children. And if they aren't prepared to, maybe somebody else should be looking after their children because they're not prepared to do normal, ordinary things to do what it takes to look after them. To test out that view, I've come to Brockville, one of the city's poorest communities, to the Kohanga Reo. One of the teachers here is Amy Valentine, a mother of six who went off the DPB into a full-time role. Ms Valentine says the benefits become a lifestyle for some. I believe that parents sometimes do need a bit of a, an uffy to get off the couch. I don't think the government has the right to shove them. There's, there should be no push and shove in this world. It should be, we will do whatever we can to support you with the transition to work. If you can make a commitment to the transition to work, we can make a commitment to you. I know what your needs are and I know what the, fam like the needs of your family are. Let's sit down and discuss the things that may become barriers for you obtaining employment. It's more logical than just get off the couch. The Social Development Minister, Paula Bennett, says a huge range of supports already on offer to parents. But is the threat of penalties turning those most affected against the reforms? I don't see it working. All I see is more poverty, more disharmony within the community and more people ripping off the system. It, you know, like, if I was a mum on the DPP, I'd just go and get myself on the sickness benefit and say I was depressed. Well, she can't keep me off the sickness benefit. You know, like, but that mum shouldn't have to go and find a way to rip off the system to keep her wage secured. But that's what I would do, probably giving them ideas now. But, uh, you know, like, that's what reality is. Here we are as we're trying to create a um, community that feels empowered and that we empower the whānau to support themselves financially. But her just saying, oh no, you get a, have to get off the benefit, that it's not going to work. Amy Valentine says the minister should come up to Brockville and walk a mile in the shoes of parents here before bringing in changes that, however well-intentioned, might end up doing more harm than good. I'm Ian Telfer and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight. The programme was written and presented by me, Ian Telfer, and produced by Philip Atolli and Sally Round with technical production by William Saunders.